0: Tune your ear to wisdom and cry aloud for understanding. If you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Welcome to Project Philippians, a deep dive into one of the richest treasure mines in scripture. I'm delighted to have you join me today for another excavation into an amazing 2,000-year-old book. Hey, my friend, welcome back to another day of study in this amazing book. And I just want you to know how much I appreciate you coming and and for your patience, because I recognize that we are not going quickly through this book. Just the opposite, actually. We're going very slowly. You've probably never been in a Bible study that's gone quite this slowly through the text. But I'll tell you what, that is intentional. Because I, I really believe that every word in Scripture is inspired by God, Every word is there on purpose, and every word deserves to be studied and pondered and just thoughtfully meditated upon. Because I believe everyone can reveal truths about God and about us that are just life changing. In fact, today we're going to spend a significant amount of time just studying one little pronoun, a three letter word in the middle of a sentence. And I think you're going to find that it is extraordinary. But before we do, let's let's come to the king and ask him to help us to see it heavenly father thank you for being here with us today as we study this amazing book of yours help us as we read as we listen as we ponder and reflect help us to see you a little bit more closely so that we might wrap our arms around you and love you more dearly thank you father amen philippians chapter 1 verse 2 grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Last session, we talked about the, the smiling grace of God and the shalom peace that comes from God that is for us. But today, we're going to be looking at the source of that grace and peace. Where do they come from? Well, Paul makes it very clear. Grace and peace come from God our Father. He's also going to talk about the Lord Jesus Christ, but we'll save that for next session. Today, we're going to be talking about the fatherhood of God. You know, as Christians, we often read these words uh, so, uh, they become so familiar to us that we lose the preciousness of what Paul is saying. We read about God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. It's common language, but what does it mean? What should it mean to us of course, we know that when we speak of the Trinity, we speak of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And and so we know that God is the Father of his Son. The Son is the only begotten Son of the Father. And so there's a father-son relationship between them, and that's a biblical aspect of the fatherhood of God. But you need to notice here that Paul doesn't say that grace and peace come from the Father and the Son. He doesn't call him the Father. He says they come from god our father there's a pronoun i mentioned it earlier just a tiny little pronoun that makes a huge difference our father remember paul is a devout jew he he was a devout student of the old testament we call it the old testament scriptures it would have been his bible he would probably have had most of it memorized he, he understood it. he knew it where did he get this language of our father does that come from the old testament I was curious about that question this week, so I spent quite a bit of time going back and studying this doctrine of the fatherhood of God in the Old Testament. And it it turns out it is fairly common that God refers to himself as a father. So for example, in Deuteronomy chapter 1, he says, as a father carries his son, so I carried you through the wilderness. In Psalm 103, he says, as a father has compassion on his children, so does the Lord have compassion on those who fear him. Proverbs 3 tells us that the Lord disciplines those he loves like a father does with the child he delights in. So this is a common theme that God represents himself as a father to his people. But there's an interesting distinction there. Notice that whenever he talks about this fatherhood, it's almost metaphorical. He uses the word as or like. As a father carries his son, so have I carried you. As a father has compassion, so do I. The Lord disciplines those he loves like a father. But what you need to notice, what's really remarkable to me, is that virtually nowhere in the Old Testament do any of God's people address him as their father. Moses didn't call him father. Abraham didn't. Not even King David, who was a friend of God, called him his father. Nowhere in all of the Psalms and all of their evocative poetic language do they address God as their father. In fact, in Jeremiah, God is speaking to his people, and he he seems to be addressing this fact a little bit. And he says, Jeremiah 3:19, God said, How gladly would I treat you like children and provide you the most beautiful land to possess? I thought you would call me father, but you turned away from following me. It's almost as if God were saying, I want this type of relationship with you but you, you've turned away from it. Now, I want to point out that it, it's not exclusively true. There are a couple of places in the Old Testament where uh, somebody addresses God as their father. One of them is uh, Psalm 89, 26, where um, the psalmist is speaking about somebody, and he says, he will call out to me, you are my father, my God, the rock, my savior. Interestingly, though, in that psalm, if you look closely, you realize it is a prophetic psalm about the Messiah. He's prophetically announcing that the Messiah will call God his Father. There's one other place in the Old Testament that refers to God as our Father. Actually, there's three, but they all happen on one single page in, in Isaiah, in Isaiah 63 where Isaiah refers to God in a prayer as our Father. You are our Father, he says. Interestingly, there's only three places in the Old Testament that refer to the Spirit of God as the Holy Spirit, and they happen to be on that same page. It just so happens to be the same page that Isaiah is speaking prophetically about a time in the future when Jerusalem will be restored. And it seems as if he's using prophetic language to describe a future relationship with God the Father and the Holy Spirit that the people, the saints in the Old Testament just never experienced. Not for 2,000 years. But then, hundreds of years later, something astounding happens. Along comes this, this preacher, this obscure prophet from the backwater town of Galilee and he marches up onto a hillside and he preaches what has come to be known as the Sermon on the Mount. He gathers this huge crowd around him and he starts saying things like, or you may be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Or when you give, your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Or when you pray to your Father in secret, He will reward you. So don't be like them for your Father knows what you need. 17 times in this one sermon, he refers to their heavenly father. After 2,000 years of knowing God as creator and redeemer and savior and king, now Jesus is introducing him as their father. He's speaking of his own father, but he's inviting them to think of God as their father, their heavenly father. And then, as if that weren't enough, he teaches them a new way to pray. He says, I know your people have been praying for 2,000 years, but from now on, whenever you pray, I want you to say this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Our Father. He gives them this pronoun, the word our. Our Father. Not just the Father in heaven, but our Father in heaven. And that's the language that Paul adopts as his own when he says, grace and peace to you from God our Father. You know, it makes me wonder if the Jews could spend 2,000 years of their history not really understanding the implications of the fatherhood of God. How many of us Christians today spend our lives not relishing, not enjoying, not experiencing the love of the Father. There's this famous picture of President Kennedy sitting in the Oval Office doing something, I'm sure, terribly official and important. But in the picture, the photographer captured this particularly special moment where where Kennedy's son is playing in the desk. There's a little doorway in the desk at Kennedy's feet. And and, and looking out through the doorway in his desk is this little three, four-year-old boy with a great smile on his face, content and secure as he could possibly be, playing at the feet of the president, of one of the most powerful men in the known world, writing laws that would impact the planet. And here's this little boy playing at his feet, I love that picture because it reminds me of the relationship that God wants us to have with him in his presence, in his throne room, at his feet, content and secure as a little boy playing on his father's lap. I'll tell you, I have many jobs and roles in my life, many different titles, but the title that I love more than any other title is Daddy. When my children call me Daddy, it floods my heart with joy. And I know that God loves to be called Father, Abba, Father. Now, I, now I understand that, that there might be some of you listening to me right now who don't have memories of a father that brings joy to their hearts. Perhaps you come from a family where there wasn't grace, where there wasn't love, where you didn't experience a loving father-son, father-child relationship. And so when you think of the fatherhood of God, maybe it conjures up thoughts that aren't pleasant, aren't encouraging, aren't helpful. But I'll tell you what, I believe that Jesus wants to redeem the relationship of fatherhood. You see, when Jesus invited people to pray like this, our Father, what he was actually doing was he was inviting them into his relationship with his Father. Jesus says, I have a special relationship with my Father, and I want to invite you to participate in it with me, to experience him like I experienced him, because I want you to know that he loves you the way he loves me. And so you are adopted into this family and you can now refer to God as your father. Jesus is inviting you to experience this new relationship with the perfect father. So no matter how rough your relationship with your earthly father may have been, your heavenly father wants to give you passion and love that you long for. Paul mentions this in a few other places in, in other letters of his. For example, in Galatians chapter 4 and verse 4, he says, But when the time had fully come, God sent his son to redeem those under the law, so that we might receive the full rights of sons. Let me read that again. When the time had come, God sent his son that we might receive the full rights of sons. And because you were sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And since you are a son, God has also made you a full heir. Think about this. God sent his son so that we could become sons, so that we could have the full rights. Every right that Jesus has as a son of God, he has given those rights to us. In fact, more than that, he's taken the Spirit who is in Jesus and He has put that Spirit in us, the Spirit who calls out Abba, Father. The same Spirit in Jesus, when he was there in the Garden of Gethsemane, crying out in his pain and his tears, he used the word Abba, Father. The same Spirit is now in us, allowing us to address Almighty God in the same language to call him our Father, our Abba, our our Daddy. Can I take a minute just to tell you about my earthly dad? Oh, I miss him so much. He, he wasn't a perfect man like any father. He, he had a share of mistakes. He didn't do everything right. But one thing he did well was he knew how to love. I never doubted my dad's love. In fact, of our five children, he had a knack of making me feel like, well, like his favorite. I can't tell you how thankful I am to have a dad who could model that type of love for his son, to model the type of love that the Father, the Heavenly Father, has for all of us. I remember this one particular time when my my dad took us on a hiking trip. Took the family. We went with some other church families on a on a backpacking trip, and I couldn't have been more than four or five years old. And on this particular trip, it was a it wasn't intended to be a long uh, hike. Uh, it was appropriate for a young kid. Um, I don't know a few miles or so. But uh, I don't know who was leading the troop. I know it wasn't my dad because he was a perfect Eagle Scout, so he would never have gotten us lost. But whoever was leading the trail did get us lost. And so we ended up wandering back and forth in the woods for several hours until at one point I was just exhausted. And uh, my little tiny backpack had just been weighing me down too much, and I could not go any farther. And my dad says, You know, I think we're almost there. If you can just muscle that a little bit more. And I said, Dad, I have got nothing left. And he said, okay, well, I'm going to go ahead, go forward and find the spot, and then I'll come back for you. And so I sat there on a rock with my mom and my dad left. And and sometime later, he came back and he said, I've got it all ready for you. And he reached down and without scolding me or making fun of me or, or making me feel embarrassed in any way, he just scooped me up and he set me on his shoulders and he walked, he carried me. The remainder of the trip to the campground and it was dark by now and so he had already set up a little tent and he put me in it and I fell asleep and I'll never forget the picture the feeling of being completely abandoned to the strength of my dad carrying me to my rest that picture comes back every time I think of the father We read Deuteronomy 131, As a father carries his son, so I will carry you through the wilderness. That's the picture that God wants you to have when you read these words, Grace and peace from God our Father. Paul's not the only one who gets excited about this. John, in 1 John chapter 4, he says, Behold what manner of love the Father has given unto us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. I get excited about this because I'm so grateful to be adopted into the same relationship that Jesus himself has with his loving Father, that we get to call God our Father. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for adopting us. Thank you for making it possible for us to climb up onto your lap, to wrap our arms around you, and to say, our Father, we love you, and to feel your arms wrapping around us. Hear you say, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on you. Lord God Almighty, thank you for letting us call you Father. Let those words sink so deep that when we wake up tomorrow morning, we'll know that we are in the presence, playing at the feet of the King of the universe who is delighted to have us in his presence. Thank you, Daddy. Thank you, Abba. Thank you, Father. And thank you, Jesus, for making it possible. We pray these things in your name. Amen. It's been an honor to have you spend this time with me, but don't let it end here. May the words of God continue to resonate in your heart, and transform your life until the day you meet our glorious King and Savior face to face.